This is Women in a Day, a podcast created to give a deep look at the daily lives of women of all kinds, from sunrise to sunset, with Jenny Halzer and Portia Hensley. Welcome to episode 17 of the Women in a Day podcast. Joining us today is Brittany Charbonneau, the funny runner. In a serendipitous turn, she is our 17th guest, and she also just competed in the New York City Marathon, where she was the 17th woman overall in the entire race out of how many runners? I think it was a record 52,000 or something. 52,000. So if you want to know what the funny runner is, Brittany is an elite runner who's training for the Olympic Marathon Trials in 2020 while simultaneously chasing her passion for comedy and acting. Using her background in improv comedy, she recently debuted her one-woman sketch comedy show called My Long Distance Relationship with Running, from the early miles to the Olympic trials in Denver, and most recently at the Second City Training Center in Chicago. Although it has taken her 17 years to get to where she is in running, it wasn't until recently that she really started to hit her stride. In May 2017... Brittany won and set a new course record for the Colfax Marathon in Denver with a time of 2 hours 52 minutes. Her biggest accomplishment to date is her Olympic Trials A standard qualification finish at the 2018 Los Angeles Marathon with a time of 2 hours 36 minutes. Brittany, welcome. Thank you. I think I need to get a lottery ticket. I was going to say, you do. That's insane. Do you think you could run a marathon in 2 hours and 17 minutes? Ooh, yep, in my career. Life goal. Maybe I'll set that as my life yeah. goal. Yeah. I think that's world record standard, but yeah, I'm going to set it. You could do sure. it. Let's do it. Sure. It was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> it all spawned from today. That's right. Yeah. All right. We have so many questions for you. So where should we start? Let's start with her day. It's Women in a Day podcast. All right. Tell us. I'm sure you don't have a typical day, but what would a typical day in your life look like? So a typical day varies in my world, but I think I think about one of the days that I had recently that was the perfect culmination of all the things in my world right now. So um, this was a couple weeks ago leading up to the New York City Marathon, so I'm in full training mode. Um, I had gotten up that day, done my workout. I don't even remember what it was, but it was something like 15 miles. Got up early and did that, and then I had to go straight to my trainer. What's early for you? It was probably 8 a.m. So okay. I like to get up and have coffee and breakfast. I got to get the get everything awakened, I feel like. Okay. So I always do that. So I always eat before I run. I always have a cup of coffee. It just kind of gets my day going. Same um, meal? No, it varies. Um, I use Shalane Flanagan's cookbooks, her Run Fast, Eat Slow, Run Fast, Cook Fast, Eat Slow. They're mm-hmm. amazing. And they're super easy recipes, but for runners. Um, so it kind of incorporates all the things that we need. And so I'll make breakfast, have a cup of coffee, turn on the Today Show, get to my day going, like power through some emails. And then I went for a run and I have to do warm up exercises before I run just to get the muscles turned on. And we're targeting specific areas of my body that need to be functioning correctly. And so I'm creating muscle memory in my head um, doing these pre-run exercises, which take like half an hour and then do my actual workout I can't remember what it would be, but it's, I mean, it's anything from interval training to tempo runs to hill training. It all kind of varies. And then I have to go straight downtown to my trainer who I see once a week and we do strength training and things like that. And then that day I had gone, I think I had gone to my then sports injury trainer right after that, who does mobility stuff, anything injury prevention. So we do dry needling, which is brutal if you've ever gotten dry needles they dry needle your muscles and then it helps them recover but it's just brutal like very painful so I'm also a coach in youth running so I'm coaching a girl up in Fort Collins so an hour away so then I had gone straight up north to coach her for an hour met up with my mom who was sewing on my Colorado flag onto my uniform for New York Um, so I met up with her And then I had to come straight back down to Denver from Fort Collins because I teach improv downtown. So it was kind of like a crazy training, coaching, teaching improv day. Those are some of my like bananas days. Luckily, there's my days that I normally can build in a nap. I have to build in like an hour in the afternoon where I just chill or nap or something as part of mental and physical 
recovery. Right. So. Part of your job. Exactly. I yeah. want napping to be incorporated into my That's what I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. too. I know. How can we do that? Be a, be a I'm runner. trying to think how I can live in Portland and have, like, napping and professional book reading and coffee <sighs> drinking. All the things. It's got to exist. <laughs> if you believe it can happen, That's it's right. got to exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a long-time runner, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this was not always your path that you thought you would be on. Never. Big life dream, maybe, but never. Did you run competitively as a kid? Sort of. I started running when I was 13 in high school or in um, middle school and then mm. was encouraged to run cross-country and track in high school. And so I competed during all of high school in cross-country and track, but I was never amazing. It wasn't like I was a state champ or or even throwing down amazingly fast times. I was okay. Yeah. So I didn't think that I could be a college runner. I was just definitely not fast enough for that. So um, I didn't run for the first two years of college. And then um, a friend of mine said, oh, you can walk on. So I walked on as a junior um, onto the cross country and track teams at Colorado State and competed I, I would say that loosely yeah. competed, um, <laughs> but I was not good. Like very not good. Um, in, really? in two other, no, not even anybody. Or? Yeah. So luckily, so the beauty of college, and I don't know how it is now, but um, when I was running in college, they have title nine. Um, so you can, it's basically like they need more female athletes. And so you pretty much walked on, you tried out for the team and you made the team. So um I was okay. Like I was on the traveling team, but I mean, it wasn't like I did anything incredible. I was such a bad mental runner back then. I was so hard on myself back then that, um, I probably couldn't have been good because I was just so brutal to myself. Did you enjoy it? Um, I enjoyed the social aspect of it and it was very cool. I felt when I, so I enjoy, I definitely enjoyed competing. High school was so fun because it was the social thing to do. And it was all my friends were there. They were those weirdos also just like me that distance runners are a strange breed. Um, Quirky. They're quirky. Yeah. And that was me. And um, so I just felt included and I loved that aspect of it. And I loved running, but the competing side was more challenging for me. And then when I got to college, um, same kind of thing, but I loved that was when I felt like I belonged to this big university. I started to have a an identity there and a place there. So that part was really cool and felt like I was not just a big number. It kept you wanting to show up, even if totally. your times weren't what you wanted to be, even if you had tough races. Totally. When did you get good? I know. Uh, well, apparently 2017. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's really been pretty recent. All this time, so it, I mean, fast forward 15 years, literally never won a race. Not even like a 100 meter dash, no, <laughs> never won a race ever. Well, it's a lot to win a race. Yeah, a I think so. Yeah. Um, but I never did it. So then uh, I started to get into marathoning post college and half marathons and stuff. And there was a half marathon in Chicago. I was living in Chicago at the time. And I was like looking at the times and I thought, well, maybe I could win that one. It was, you know, it's a smaller, smaller half marathon in Chicago. So I set that as my first goal and I did it. And then I was like, oh, well, I could do that. Maybe this marathon that I'm training for next year, maybe I could try to win that. And I looked on their website and they, if you won it and set the course record, you got a thousand bucks. And I was like, well, that's cool. I'll set my goal as that and just shoot for it and did that. So that was kind of the start, that half marathon and then the full marathon winning those was the start of me starting to believe that I could do these things. And so from there, I've just kind of set those next benchmarks. And, you know, that's, I guess, when I started to quote unquote, get good. So it's really been pretty recent, actually. What's the first marathon you did? I did the Colorado Marathon up in Fort Collins. I think it was 2012. And what was your time? It was three hours and 33 minutes. And I know that first because, marathon? yes, because that's good. my goal for that was to qualify for the Boston Marathon, which at that time I had no idea what the Boston Marathon really was. It was just something that everybody did. And I was like, well, I got to qualify for this Boston Marathon. Yeah. So it was a, for my age group that year, it was a two, or it was a 335. And I got 333, just barely squeaked 
squeaked in that, and that was a downhill race for most of it. So I attribute most of that to the downhill racing. Wow. So I think for many people, myself included, just doing a marathon at all is a huge accomplishment. There's a whole hierarchy to qualifications and groupings. So can you just walk us through that really quick? Sure. So for any of the big world major marathons, you do have to qualify typically. There is a lottery system that you can run these races like Boston and New York. So they do set the standards because there are so many people that want to run these marathons because they're so iconic. Yeah. So there are qualifying times, which is great too, because it's, I think that those standards are great because it pushes quote unquote, an average runner Mm -hmm. to then push themselves just that little bit more to accomplish the things that maybe they didn't think that they could do. I was definitely one of them. So there's qualification standards for those types of races. And then now with the Olympic trials, there's time qualifications for that as well, just to run in the race to hopefully qualify for the Olympics. So it's almost a, you achieve one goal, but then you still have to try and achieve another goal and What's the Um, time to run in that race? So to get into the race itself is 2.45, and then to hit, that's what they call B standards. A standards are a 2.38, I think it was 2.38 or 2.37 to run that. What's the difference if you're in the same race, you just get to the front of the line? Um, I believe it is that if you hit A standards, the Olympic Committee pays for you to go to the race. If you hit B standards, then you make your way that's they a big incentive. Have to pay for that. It is. And I think actually this 2020 coming up is they've opened it up that if you run B standards, they're going to cover it for you as well. Wow. Um, so I think that, I think that that's how it is, but I'm not hundred percent sure. So in New York, you ran in the elite women's group. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how many women total were in that group? Do you I know? I think there were 32 of us. And that's determined by time as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Time. I don't know if they have any other... Do they invite you? I asked. <laughs> so I was like... So no, here's the thing. Ask for. You guys are asking these questions and I'm like, ah, I'm just kind of winging it. Like I'm improving this running career. I love um, it. You're consistent. It's on very on brand. Oh, man. Yeah, so I had... So I had qualified the... Here, here, I'll back this up a little bit. So here's a story for you. So last year to qualify for this year's New York Marathon... Um, I ran the New York city half marathon and I literally had, I was in Denver's next improv star, which was a three month long show downtown that performed, we performed every Saturday night, but you had to be there. Otherwise you got eliminated. Okay. So I performed that night. Literally the show ended at 10. I took an Uber from the theater to take a red eye overnight to run this half marathon to qualify for this year's New York marathon. Literally I got to New York and took an Uber to the starting line, ran it, qualified, because I wanted to run New York. Wow. Did so, you sleep on the plane? Not really. It was maybe an hour. It was ner- yeah, and, and Yeah, and, and you're on, it was on a, just a flight. So right? you, you stayed know? up all night long and ran an amazing time, I it was It was all right. Like, it was enough to qualify. But then, two months later, I had run, it was the finale of Denver's Next Improv Star that I was, it was four of us that was in the finale, and then the next morning I got up and ran and won the Colfax Marathon the next day. So that was crazy. So anyways, going back to New York, I wanted to, I, I always wanted to run this race. And then when my time started to get faster, I reached out to them and said, can I please run elite in this race? And the race director, he said, your times aren't quite there. You know, if you can run a little bit faster times consistently, then you have me convinced you can run. And so this was in January. And so I said, okay, great. That's all I have to do. Like you just said, I have to run faster, so I'll do that. So I ran the LA marathon in March and ran the A standard qualifying time. It was a 15-minute PR from my marathon time before. And I emailed him the next Monday and said, can I please run in this? And he was like, he started laughing, and he was like, I saw that. Yes, you can run elite in the New York race. So I have no idea how it actually works. That's just how I did it. Good for you. Yeah. I so, love that you just put it out there and I know. made room for yourself. Yes. Yeah, I'm just... And I'm I love that swinging it. too. Like, I mean, like you said, you do coach kids. And I think that's a really important thing for all kids to hear is that even if you are naturally gifted at something, there's still so much, so much work and just putting yourself out there that comes along with that. Totally. And I think we all want to have that story of just, you know, someone who's just kind of a phenom 
and it's very rare that that happens for most people. Yeah, and, and I think that that's such a huge part of why I like to share my story is because for me growing up, idolizing all of these different runners or even different athletes, different actors, whatever, whoever right. they were, you you hear the stories that they were just amazing at 10 and they've been you know, incredible out of the gate. Right, case. since they were four. Right. This is, they were dancing and performing shows. And they and... were just a star. And, like, they, you know, and, it, yeah. and I was like, well, that wasn't me. Like, I was <laughs> doing this very, very mediocre and then made the decision to then put the work into believe that I could do it and yeah. go from there. But it's been a long time that I've been running. But that's what I'm hoping to share is that if even especially the kids now want to go be great they can but it's going to take the work you know what is it that put you over that kind of mediocre to elite what I'm, I'm sure it was a combination but what did you do that put you into that whole new level I had set those small goals and those sparked the belief in myself I finally started to believe that I could do it that was the biggest thing was getting out of my own head and like getting out of my own way and believing that I could do these things and just trusting that if I put the work in and, you know, hopefully don't let fear get too much in the way it can happen, you know? And so that, I think that's why I just keep coming back to. It wasn't one moment. It wasn't anything pivotal. It was just that I had slowly over time started to believe that I could do it. And I am such a goal setter. I love chasing goals and I love setting the big ones and then ticking off the little ones along the way. Right. And that's kind of what I've done and what I'm continuing to do. So it was just really just a shift in my mindset, I think. Do the people who know you, were they surprised when you said, I want to quit? Because you had a day job at the time, a corporate job. Mm -hmm. Were they surprised when you said, I think I want to do this? Because you probably run a handful of marathons every year, right? Mm -hmm. But there's, you have a team, uh, you have a whole thing surrounding this. So were people surprised when you said you wanted to do it? Yes, I think so. I think that was terrifying to make the decision to quit my job to do this. And I just knew there was just something inside me that I just, I knew I wasn't doing what I'm supposed to do back then. Um, and I was just miserable also. It was a great job, but it was just not what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I didn't have any experience really in comedy. I literally had never performed on stage. I had not won a marathon yet. I hadn't run elite in a marathon yet but I just knew it was what I wanted to do. And people were surprised, but they were supportive because they know me and they know that if I'm going to put my mind to something, I'll do it. But the biggest piece that I needed was just the support of my now husband. We were engaged then. And he was the one who was pushing for, just go do it. We're going to make it happen. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, because I wanted all the logistics. I wanted to know how it was going to happen and how I was going to make this work. How do you be an elite runner? How do you be a do comedy I mean how does that even work yeah and he just said it doesn't matter you're basically starting two businesses yeah yeah that are both solely dependent on you and that is not typically what are complementary you don't hear about those two complementing each other and I didn't that was really scary because I went into something that didn't really exist and I was creating it and so I just had to trust that but I think people Hopefully, they they probably thought I was crazy behind the scenes, but luckily no one voiced it to me, so um, that was cool. So wait, you'd never performed on stage? No. And you are going to have this improv career. Like, had you done improv with your husband in private? So or? I had take, I'd studied, uh, so when I lived in Chicago, I uh, studied sketch writing at Second City, and I had done improv out there. I had done actually one improv show out here in Denver. I'd started to kind of do some improv stuff. Um, I'd done a Christmas show and then I'd done some really mediocre teams, team improv, like nothing blowing your mind or anything. Like there was a couple people in the audience. Um, and I wanted to get into, get into it full time and act full time. I'd never done I don't think I had ever really done anything, like never on a film set or anything. I maybe had done one commercial as a very small part in it. Yeah. I'm talking about this. And I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like, as we're talking <laughs> about this, I'm thinking, that's 
bananas. But even though the two things are totally incongruous, do you think that standing on a stage where there are two people watching you, do you think that that's just like such an ice bath of like, I mean, that's a, that's going really big. So do you think that maybe that helped you bolster yourself for your running career too? Totally. Yeah. It's amazing now that I've been doing it for a year and a half or however long, how complimentary they are to each other and how they almost feed off of each other and they are the same mindsets. And even though they're seemingly so different, so many elements of them play off of each other and help one area or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Is your, so the only improv I've seen is group improv, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like you do individual improv. So how is that? Yeah. So my show is, so I have a one woman comedy show and it's sketch comedy. So most people, when I tell them I do comedy, they picture stand up. Sure. And especially when you say one person, right. that clearly, typically goes straight to stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had gone to a workshop in Chicago this past February for a one person show workshop. I had no idea that that existed. I didn't know that one person shows existed because the hard part with training full time is trying to coordinate schedules and all of that with other people. So that was really difficult. And then I had taken this workshop and this whole world was open to me of this opportunity for a one person show and that people come and see one person shows that's not stand up. It's all scripted. And um, so I took that workshop, couldn't get my story down fast enough. I wrote and wrote and wrote for like a month solid. And as soon as I got home from that trip, I went to the theater and booked the theater or the show time space. There's no show written. I had a concept and I booked the theater space and said, this is the dates that I'm putting my show up. And um, so then I had to write and create the show, memorize it, perform in it, produce it, all of this. So what's that? How is that different than stand-up? Explain to Good us. question. So stand-up is really just... So both are scripted. So sketch comedy and stand-up are obviously scripted. Stand-up is just literally standing there telling a joke or telling jokes okay sketch comedy i always tell people think about it like um snl like a scene there's a scenario it's a scenario there's there's scenes but there's just not the full production of stage props and all of that with my show um so yeah it's all scripted so but it's more of a story my show tells a story and then there are some character scenes peppered throughout the show that are still more of like a storytelling versus just straight joke telling joke telling. So that, that one is not really improv. No, correct. You do a different, a whole different thing is improv. Correct. Okay. Yep. So, and there's improv elements to it. So there'll be things that I'll throw in there night to night, just depending on the audience and depending on what jokes are landing. Or if I mess up lines, it's great to have an improv background because we can just, just roll with it. Just wing it, like yeah. like everything else I seem to do. Um, <laughs> but then I there are improv sets where it's just straight made up on the on the spot with other with other people. Yeah. Cool. Wow. So, talk to us about. So once you decided to take on running full time, wh- how does that work? Like, did you do you even know? Did at the time did you know anybody else who was doing that to use no. that as a bit of a roadmap or <laughs> no? Um, No, not at all. I had met my coach, my coach, who is unbelievable, happened to come into my life. We were at the awards banquet for that first marathon that I ran, and she's a coach, and we just got chatting, and she asked if I had a coach, and I was like, no, but I, what do you, are you looking to work with a sort of an elite runner? And she was like, (laughs) I've never worked with one. Are you willing to work with me? Who had she worked with before? Just just average runners, like just everyday runners. And so she took me on. I took her on. So we're kind of on this journey together. So it's been incredible. Yeah, and her training's unbelievable. And personality-wise, we click so well. Which seems imperative. It is, yeah. Yeah. And she gets me and she knows when, where to adjust my training based on kind of how my brain's ticking at the moment or what I'm needing. So, um, yeah, we're on this random crazy journey together. She was in New York and that was her first experience with all of this elite world. Also, she got to come to the technical meeting and all of that the night before where all, all of us are, all the pro athletes are there. And then, you know, she was at the finish line and everything like that. So, um, it's been crazy. It gives me goosebumps. Like it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Does she tell you everything to do? Like 
every waking no training moment. No. In fact, we talk to each other mm, every couple weeks, probably. Like, she sends me my training plan for my whole season, pretty much. And then I record all my workouts on Strava. And so she'll check. Well, what's Strava? Strava is a, it's an amazing app that you, it connects to your GPS watch and it'll tell how far you ran, what the incline was. I can put my splits. So if I'm doing like mile repeats, for example, I can record that and it'll break out the pace, everything like that. So we communicate usually via Strava, um, which is great. It's like Facebook for working out essentially. Um, and she just puts my training plans in there and then she and my sports injury trainer and my regular trainer all kind of communicate and they are all working on the mechanics and the mobility pieces and the strength pieces. That's kind of that. But then other than that, it's up to me. Like I can run whenever I want, however, however it works in my day. Yeah. So it's really flexible, which is great. Do you ever deviate from what she tells you? Totally. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it is, I mean, I'm, that's the beauty of it too, is I think Improv running. You have to improv running. Totally. Because then I think about, too, when you get to race day, it's never going as planned, ever. So you have to roll with it. So I like to change it up in running. I don't ever run the same route every day. I don't ever run at the same time every day. I love to go find new places to run and change it up. If it's bad weather, I wait until it's bad weather, and then I go because, you know, come race day, you got to be able to roll with it, Yeah. you know, with anything that happens. So I kind of try to, like, keep that mindset while I'm training and then, you know, as approaching, approaching race day as well. Financially, how does this work? Do you have a whole, <laughs> like, so do you win prize money essentially for marathons? You, do you have a sponsor? Well, I, so I have a sponsor that's Otterbox. Um, so they're the company that I worked for before I went to go full-time into okay. running and things like that. So that certainly can help if you have sponsorships. I don't, again, I have no idea. I'm not sponsored by any sports company, but if Nike's listening, I'm I was going to say, take notes. I'm open. We'll make sure. Yeah. We- um, <laughs> Nike shoes. Everything is Nike. It's my aspiration. I call it like dream building running. What if Brooks called you and said, I don't know. Sponsor you. I don't know. What would you do? Uh, that would be like the world's hardest day. <laughs> part of me, part of me would say that I would hold out for Nike because that's just. It's what feels. Oh my gosh. Like- and I just run in all their stuff, but. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a business and it is a livelihood. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. um, It's crazy because so when I quit, I was like, I don't know how you do this. And you can only really run two marathons a year. I mean, that's all your body can really handle. So there's prize money in 10Ks and half marathons that you can win. um, And do you do those? I do. So I, I did a few of those this past year. That helps. Coaching has been amazing. So that's been a key part of making it work where it's still in that world of running, but then you're obviously able to make money off of coaching. I'm trying to think what else. truly like every month it's kind of crazy that things just happen to, they come together. Yeah. You know, and acting gigs come up, you know, you get a random commercial here or there and you make a few hundred bucks, you know, once you're at the pro level and you're making, if you win the New York city marathon, for example, it's a lot of money. It's like a hundred grand. Are you serious? Um, yeah. So that's where you're really no making more money, which it's funny because then you're like, well, as a pro athlete, you know, we're not making millions of dollars. It's no. still not. But I mean, shoot, the fact that I'm able to even make some living off of it and get right. to run all full time. Amazing. Yeah. So I would truly. And when I quit, I was like, well, I'll do it for free. I'll do it if I'm not making money because it's I know it's what I'm supposed to do. And I know that it's worth it. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I mean, my husband's so fortunate that we can essentially live off of his income, which is great. So, um, but it was, it was scary to start. And sometimes it is like, how are you going to make ends meet? How? Yeah. And he does try, like, he's a a hardcore triathlon person, or is it Ironman or? Ironman. Yeah. He's got his first one next week. That's exciting. Yeah. So then we got all of his, that's a whole nother world of expenses. Like, you know, running, it's like some shoes and sports bras and he's like needing all these wheels and bikes and helmets and yeah. all these things I'm like good good lord it's so much so much stuff that goes into it but do you guys train it. together no he's a he, <laughs> no 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 he says that he doesn't like to run with me because he thinks that he's slowing me down but it's on the days that I go out and it's my easy runs or whatever but yeah um no and then he's got all of his biking so sometimes he'll set up the bike in our living room on his 
a trainer or whatever it's called. Yeah. It's like a stationary bike and he'll watch Netflix and I'll just sit on the couch and watch Netflix with him. So that's about the extent of our training <laughs> together. Yeah. Walking bikes to nowhere. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So how do you approach a marathon? Like what a, what goes through your mind and then technically what is it like like mm-hmm. are you going like all right this first mile I'm gonna run this pace this second mile I'm gonna run or do you just go out and, like I'm gonna be in the front of the pack and I'm just gonna hang until or is it very much like scheduled well I'll tell you how it was for New York for me so I had been prepping for my own race this whole time so I had told myself that I'm gonna go out at a conservative pace what's conservative um like 550 to six minutes. Okay. Which um, you were faster than that because I was watching in the beginning. You were faster than that at the beginning, right? Well, Weren't you in the no, 540s? Not in the beginning. The first mile was ridiculously slow. Like I mean, it was uphill, but okay. it was so slow. I was really slow. confused. We, I think we were even like 630s. It so was, do you just hang with the pack in that? Like, did you that feel like instance you had more? I did. Okay. Yeah. I just said, I don't, cause I, and this was my first experience running at that level with these athletes. And especially who you were with. Totally. Where they know this, like the back of their hand. Yeah. And, and they had run New York move. before. Yeah. So I just, so that was my plan. So my plan was to go run conservative for the first, especially the first 5k and then just settle in at a 5.45 pace um, and then wait until the 10K and then really just start to reel in reel in my and start cranking down the time and see what I can do and finish strong. But, like, that didn't quite happen. Um, so when we went out, the pace was very slow through that first 10 miles. So that's why I took the lead because I think we were, we were sitting at maybe like six minute miles or something. And I said, well, this isn't how I wanted to run my race. Do you guys talk to each other in that? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Did you Not talk like, before hey, the so race? Slow. No, it's very, everyone's kind of in their own zone. And I also showed up. I'm, I mean, I'm this rookie pro runner, right? I didn't want to. So you're like fangirl. Yeah. I didn't want to fangirl like... to everybody. And then <laughs> Shalane walks in, in all red, just looked unbelievable like she just was amazing and I was like oh my gosh like you're outstanding you can pull this off yeah. and and plus you're in your own zone so right. um no but Justin asked her where the bathroom was the night before he totally fangirled and he came back and was like, I just asked Shalane where the bathroom was, <laughs> was just like, I was like okay so um yeah so that was so that's why I took the lead because no one else was taking it and I how far in the lead do you just in the pack or in the pack pull out a little? in the in the, I, I pulled out a little bit, um, but I was like, well, I wanted, I want to sit at 5:45, and we're not doing that. And I know that they're going to go hard later. I know that this is strategically they're sitting here yeah. at this pace because then later Mary Katani threw down like some 4:55 miles, which was unbelievable. What? Yeah. 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 Next level. So, so that's so then that so then I took the lead. Then at mile 10, Des took the lead, I think, and the whole pack went. But then I was stuck with a hard decision because a second pack had formed between all of us and we were running maybe 535 to 540, which was faster than I had wanted to run. But I had to make the decision, do I push and risk it right now and run a little bit faster or do I sit back and run by myself at 545? And so I just made the decision I'm going to risk it. I'm here at New York. I'm with this pack. Let me see what I can do. And unfortunately, it didn't end up panning out, especially at the finish, but I had gotten into it with my race plan, but you know, things happen in the race that you kind of have to just be ready to make some decisions and own whatever you decide to do. That seems like a really hard aspect of distance running because you have so much time to think. Totally. You're just alone with your thoughts. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That you can really start to second guess and spiral a little bit. Yep. And it's a lot of prep work mentally. Like part of my training is mental training. So I do spend 20 to 30 minutes every day meditating. And, you know, the three weeks leading up to New York, it was a lot of visualization of the race itself and leading up to the race. I mean, I had to prep for you're going to be seeing everybody that you had essentially idolized and you're going to be competing with them, but you're going to see them all. How are you going to be? You have to keep your head still even in the days leading up to it. So I'm so thankful that I did that because I, that didn't rattle me. And clearly like 
you know, taking the lead during the race, it, I wasn't rattled. So that I'm really proud of. And that was a lot of progress just for that aspect of it. And one thing that you said that you did that I love, which shows huge self-awareness, you stopped looking on social media because you could see what they were all doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of these runners are in the public eye also, and yeah. they're sharing their own stories and they're sharing their own training and their goals for New York. And it got really in my head for a while that it wasn't doing me any service. Yeah. It was doing me a disservice. And so the best thing I did was I completely stayed off of social media. I didn't post. I didn't look at what any other runners were doing. And that really put me in a good space that last month of training. And so I felt confident in myself. But that's huge. I mean, that's the hard part, too, is it's part of our day is browsing social media and then you start right. to compare. And then when you want to get sponsorships and stuff like that, that's a huge part of it is putting yourself yep. out there. And it is part of it. Like I love I love the aspect of being Community able to share and, my story and yeah. share it with everybody and, and seeing what all the other amazing things other people are doing because that's how you do get inspired. But there's that balance for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have a goal for New York? Um, I was hoping to run around 2.30. Um, I definitely wanted to. So it was a time goal, not a place. More of a time goal. Yeah. Just to, just to like prove to myself, you can run this pace for this distance. I wanted to PR and I ran, so my PR was 236 and I legitimately ran 236 almost down to the second. So (laughs) I was like, well, at least I'm consistent. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, and that's part of it. Like all the races don't go how you want. The results aren't always what you want, but you know, I'm proud of the risks and I'm proud of progress. So, yeah. And then I had to remember too, that this was my very first race at a world major as a pro of many more to come, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a little baby in this running career, hopefully how old are yeah. you? 30, which is like prime for marathon running, which is amazing. So, and how old is Shalene Fleming? 37, I think. 37. Mm-hmm. So, which yeah. is great. Cause I mean, how inspiring is that for totally, you know, especially like, especially in most sports, you peak or you're done in your twenties. Yeah. You know, think about gymnastics or things like that. I mean, you're, you're tapped out at 20. Then I took on this. I want to be a pro athlete at 29, I think was when I decided to do this, which could be a late in life. But yeah. I mean, really these women are proving that we can do it at a quote unquote older age. You know right. what I mean? Like, do you think it's because of the mental strength? I think so. When you get older, I think so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to compete in, at this level in these races for that distance. How I was in my twenties, no way. Yeah, what are you thinking about when you're running that hard, that fast for that long? There's so many things that come into your head during the race. You're so focused on the task at hand, but I mean, during training, I'm thinking about all different things. I'm just. Also prepping for this is how it's going to feel in the race. You have to stay strong in this. It's a lot of self-talk that's happening during training on my actual workout days. But then my off days, like the easy run days are so fun because that's my days that all I have to do is go run 15 miles. That to me equals like three super soul conversations or that equals an hour and a half of Disney songs. Or maybe (laughs) I don't have my headphones that day and it's just time to just zone out and be yeah and what's an easy run like what's your pace for an easy run I like to sit at like seven minutes or so I know yeah that's really yeah (laughs) yeah which is crazy and I know how bananas it sounds because I mean I came from it was brutal to run an eight minute mile you know what I mean so I totally get that it sounds bananas and right now running sub 530s casually and I mean it's I mean that's effort but it's not what I was expecting it to feel like is also crazy to me. It's a pinch me moment because of all the years of never being able to break six minutes in a race. Yeah. You know, so it's just cool breaking those boundaries that I had back in the day, back in high school and college that I couldn't for the life of me break them. And now it's kind of like an everyday thing. And you do a lot of journaling too, right? So you actually have a record. I do. And that's the coolest you don't part. You just rely on your memory. Like you can actually have a tangible thing it. to look back and see. Yeah. One of my favorite things in the whole world is hindsight. I love hindsight because then you just get to see progress and you get to see growth. And I think because we see it, we don't see it every single day that having an opportunity to look back and reflect and things like that is what then makes me believe that I can do the big things ahead because I'm making those little strides and you don't see them every day. 
but getting to go back and see them again is, I love it. It's one of my favorite things. So if the Olympic trials are in 2020, Mm -hmm. we're almost at 2019. So knowing that you can only do two actual marathons a year, what markers do you have to hit as you prepare? Do you mean in terms of time or Or just like what, what is your plan without, I don't want you to give away your secrets, but what is your plan for? I think, so I have, I'll run two marathons next year. And I'm hopefully targeting, in fact, I need to email them today and ask if I can run in their race. (laughs) Um, I'm going to, I'm targeting the London Marathon in the spring and then the Berlin Marathon in the fall. They're fast races, world majors. I'd love to, in my career, tick off all the world majors. So How many are there? There's six, I believe. There's uh, Boston, London, Tokyo, New York, Chicago, and Berlin. Okay. So I've got three of them so far. So I was, and and they're really hard to get into as... There's lotteries and things like that. So I'm like, man, if I could do it with my elite status, and I'd love to try to do those. So that's the goals for next year. Hopefully that pans out. But really, it's just getting that time down. So in reality, to be competitive for trials, I mean, I'm probably going to have to be able to run like a 220, to be honest. I mean, these women right now, it's the peak of not even the peak, but it's just like prime time right now to be a female American marathon runner yeah what's the average pace if you do 220 520 520 mm-hmm. so the way I look at it do is you think you can do that totally yeah what's your mile PR just one mile I don't know actually you know what it's funny that you say that so one of my goals for the year was to run a sub five minute mile for fun because I've never <laughs> broken five minutes yeah so I was at practice last night and I was uh, gonna say I have someone who's yeah I have yeah, I was at practice last night I was telling somebody that and Bryce you know he's in high school he goes well you could pace me for the for 440 because I'm trying to do that so I think we're gonna try to not run 440 but he's gonna pace me for that mile I have to do it in December because otherwise the year is over and that's part of my year goals so I've never gone all out on a mile so I have no idea actually how fast I could do a mile but goal this year is to break five minutes. Be cool. According to my son, everyone should know their mile time, and I just want to kill him every time. <laughs> you know your mile time, Jenny? I mean... <laughs> See, here's the thing, right? With run, with distance running, people always ask that, and that's actually a joke in my show. You'll tell them you're in a marathon, and they'll yeah. ask you, how fast do you run a mile? And you're like, that's not it's totally different. really relevant, but no. I have no idea. You, you know, you have your average paces and stuff. And I've heard kids who are long distance runners, they joke about that, that like kids at school will be like, I'll race you from here to there. And it's like, like, but that's, you're going to, you're going to beat me. Like you're going to crush me. But if you want to race me to the Starbucks, that's 10 miles away. Like bring it on. Yeah. I'll see you there. Mm -hmm. It's just a totally different beast. It is. Have you ever thought of doing ultras? I don't think so. What's an ultra? So ultras are anything over a marathon distance. Okay. um, Which are really popular now. And especially out here in Colorado. I mean, so many people. And they do trail ultras. And I don't think so. I'm so cashed after a marathon. I mean, granted, I'm going all out. But for the foreseeable future, I don't think so. I love the road. And I love the marathon distance. And I truly don't know how I could muster any more strength to run and when, when you talked about mental or a muscle memory, it seems like you've built in enough muscle memory, like 26.2. Yeah. <laughs> like so. It is. Like that's, that's kind of your, <laughs> but I mean, down the, down the line, sure. Right. You know, I think it would be cool to venture into different areas of running when I'm, when I retire from road running, but for the foreseeable future, probably not. What are your goals for your improv show or for your sketch show? Um, I was thinking about that this morning cause I, you know, as we're approaching the end of the year, I, it's my time to set my goals for next year and, uh, update my vision board and things like that. And so I was thinking about that today. I was like, I have no idea. I know specifically what my running goals are, but if you would have asked me this time last year, what my comedic goals were, I never would have said, I'm going to have my own one woman show about running. Never. So now that it's alive and things like that, I think my big goal with it is to be able to tour with it probably. Um, and you know, I took it to Chicago and that was incredible, but it was so much work doing one city. So I think it would be really cool to take it, do like a road trip with the show and 
somehow if I could marry it up to marathons. I was going to say, that would be so cool if you performed in all the major cities, yeah. too, with our marathons. Yeah, so I think... That could be your in. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, oh, you let After me run London. show. Yeah. <laughs> Except I won't Maybe be running. Before I'll race be, show. like, yeah. standing in place, moving my arms, because that's all the strength I have. Yeah, so, um, I don't know. I really want to think about that and think about what I want my goals for the show, and then just kind of, even further down the track, comedically and artistically what do I want to try to accomplish in that world too so I don't know I think I'm just so focused on running that I'm not sure yet do you have any injuries running knock on wood no I have had some I had earlier in the season following LA so in the spring I had um, some hip hip issues annoyances I would say so in the past um in 2000 14, I had stress fractured my pelvis because I was overtraining and just, I was just not training properly. And so I had vowed that I would t- take care of my body as best as I could because that was just, that was awful. I was off running for six months. I was on crutches for three and, oh, um, miserable. yeah. And I was living in New Zealand three months on crutches. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And living in New Zealand in this amazing country and I'm on crutches and hobbling your way through, hobbling New, Zealand. through New Zealand. Yeah. So um, luckily, no, I've been really fortunate that I haven't had any major injuries then, but it's also, I do a ton of maintenance and prevention work and I've got a great team that helps with all of that. Um, but you know, before a marathon, we always call it phantom pains that come up. So I had like two of my toes were, I was like, I think I broke two toes randomly. Yeah. But then, then like a week later that went away. It was fine. So um, but that happens before every race. Something creeps up that I think it's just testing you. Like, are you are you ready? Yeah, are you ready for this, and everything ends up being fine. What do you do for pre-race nerves? Um, how do you handle that? And is it the same for races as it is for your show? Is it a different kind of nervous? Same. It's actually same kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. Before the show, um, I would be in the green room, so before going on stage, all by myself. So it's just me, and my running playlist is playing on the loudspeakers as, as like, the house music, as the show, as the house opens, it's my running playlist. Mm-hmm. So I've got that playing, but then I'm just kind of pacing in the green room, and so I finally just started doing planks. <laughs> like I was doing planks and squats, because I was like, well, I don't know. Like, you have that nervous energy. Yeah, I have no idea like, what to do with it. Um, yeah. And then pre-race, I... Uh, Definitely do meditation before and just kind of get in the zone. And then this time we did have a pretty long stretch of time that we were on the bus and we were in a holding area. Oh, that's right. Cause they bus you in mm-hmm. to this. Okay. And so I had just listened to like some like normal music. And then I, then when I started to warm up, then I put on my like running playlist of just like pump up songs. And there's a great artist called your world within and he has all these great, they're like two to three minutes long, inspirational um, talks, if you will. So oh, there's wow. one called Today is Your Day. And it's got this like ambient music. And he's just like, oh, awesome. today is your day. And like you show the-, the world what you are. And like, I will, I'll do it. I just so, imagine like some huge guy like in a bathrobe oh, <laughs> and, like, just, in his apartment. Oh like, my God, it's amazing. Is it on Spotify? It's on Spotify. Okay, so Your World Within. Your World Within is the okay. artist's name. And, and he's got a whole, I, he must be a runner. I don't know much about him, but he's okay. got a whole... Um, album specifically for running oh, so that's, awesome. that's really cool so I listen to that and do you run with headphones I do on my um easy days so not my workout days my workout days are my days to race prep and be in my zone and practice okay. that and in reality on my workout days and on race day there's so much chatter going on in my own head that you can't have another voice in noise. there it's too the much room's noise. too crowded yeah it is exactly yeah that's a great way to put it there's and there's like 40 voices here, clearly yeah, um, like my toes are broken and i'm schizophrenic yeah, Multiple that's how you feel. it is and then it's like no you're not you're not crazy and then you're like who said that it was me so mm-hmm. so after the new york marathon did you then did you talk to any of the women that you were racing against or is it just sort of like everybody just packs it in and you just i go? went straight to the medical tent after the race because i was like cashed I didn't even know they asked me what month that was I said June like I had no idea I was completely Is that scary upset. to you or do you just sort know of that? sort of it was kind of scary but 
I knew I was just, I was just at my limit. Like I had just had nothing left in the tank and I needed to just get fluids and, you know, be taken care of, be taken care of. So, um, unfortunately, no, like I didn't get to really meet or chat with anybody. So, um, they all seem really nice. But I have no idea how they, <laughs> like nobody tripped how they me. Are. So. Nobody tripped me. That was great. Nobody made fun of me for taking the lead. Nobody made fun of me for being the only one wearing a hat. So that was cool. Yeah. So when you were growing up, who were your role models? I have amazing extended family. All my aunts and uncles are unbelievable. So I think they were a lot of my role models. I idolized my brother and sister. They're 10 and 12 years older okay. than I am. So I idolized them. My brother went through this hockey phase in college so I wanted to be a hockey player and I wanted to wear Doc Martens and um, (laughs) hockey jerseys and I went through that phase and then I went through the phase where I idolized my sister and so I would wear all of her clothes and dress like her and she hated it now we love it so I had real humans in my life that I really idolized and really great examples I'm so lucky for and then I loved the 1996 Olympic gymnastic team. They That was the first Olympics that I remember watching, and they won gold that year. It was Carrie Strug was in it. And oh, that's right. I spent the whole summer in this USA swimsuit in my backyard. <laughs> this is part of my show also. I spent the whole summer out there, I mean, from daylight to the end of the day doing cartwheels and round offs and like had you whole... ever done gymnastics at no, all? No, never. <laughs> but I was like, well, I'm on the Olympic gymnastic team. Like this is just what I do. And so I idolized all of them and that was So you've always been a winner. You've always been an Olympic athlete. Just... In my brain, yeah. People said somebody recently said like, have you thought about going to the Olympics? And I was like, well, if you want to be real, I've already been there. I mean, I, I went held... for hockey and then I went <laughs> yeah. for gymnastics. I've held the Olympic Games in my backyard. And it was an elaborate thing. Like, the neighborhood got invited, and I had a routine that I did. My floor exercise routine was to Garth Brooks' <laughs> Friends in Low Places, which was painfully long. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that happened. So, um, And this is all in your show, yes? Uh-huh. The Garth Brooks part? No. But uh, I think you need to. I need to show because that's the funniest song <laughs> yeah. And it was like, play it and when people, would, when people would be watching this, I mean, that song is seriously like six minutes long. I know, yeah. I was a and, rodeo girl. Like, I, it's and it's long. not even like and it's upbeat. Or it's fast. catchy in it's all like, the wrong ways. Right. Yeah. It's not a gymnastics floor routine. No exercise. And then when people get bored in the or like watching this, I would get very mad and I'd be like, my routine isn't over. As you're saying this, all I can see, I don't know if you've seen I, Tanya, the movie. Yes. But her, where yes. she like has her crazy music and she marches over to the judges. Mm-hmm. That was me. That was you in your uh, backyard. And I was just conducting the whole thing <laughs> in my backyard. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But those are the ones that I, I loved them. They were my like heroes back in the day. Mm-hmm. It seems like you were just always trying to find your, your thing. I think so. Know? Yeah. Like the, that you're not someone who is content to just kind of take what kind like you've always just been looking for like something that you can really attack and make your yeah, own. I think I, so. I love that in 96 you were competing in the Olympics and performing for your, and that's exactly wow. what you're doing now. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That is cool. Right? Yes. I guess it has been in my, in my blood this whole time. It has. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's really cool. You know, looking back at, I wonder if you could do performance running. Like how would that be? <laughs> I'll find a way. Yeah. Interpretive, Interpretive running. Interpretive running. I've thought I'm about sure that there's a degree a at Naropa that is oh, yeah. that specializes in that. Interpretive running. I love it. Well, there are parts of the show that I have to... Uh, it's a very, I've heard people, like, I've known people who have gone to see you, and they say it's awesome. Oh, thank you. But that it's a lot of work. Yeah, I'm it's, running on it's stage. It's a physical show, yeah. yeah. I'm, like, fully running. I yeah. mean, she so has running a- is a pink treadmill. It's a... Oh. That's the personification of running, and the voice is my husband, so, yeah, I'm running on stage during this. And, like, as I'm angry at running, I'm running aggressively. And then, you know, there's... How far do you run an average show? I think I average about a mile because I, I log it on my yeah, watch and then I upload it to Strava because I just wanted to see. <laughs> and it's just, like, this crazy... When you look at the map of where I ran, it's this crazy blob of, blob of basically in one tiny area. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? My mom said, if you're going to regret not doing it, 
then you need to go do it. Well, I know you work with a lot of younger kids, girls specifically. What advice do you give to them? Because I think there's a lot to be said for what you're doing, but also your approach to not comparing and kind of finding your own path. Yeah. So what would you say to them? I'll tell you what I told one of the girls that I trained last night, and it was be you. And be you so hard and so well. And, you know, because she was talking about, what other girls on the team are doing and that she doesn't feel like she fits in sometimes and things like that. And I said, you know what? I showed up to the New York marathon completely doing my own thing. And I was like, and like we were talking about, she was talking about being trendy and things like that. And I was like, I showed up the only one wearing a hat. No one wears hats in running anymore, but I do. And so that's what I did. And I don't care. You know, it's just simple things like that. that, Little things like that. Little things that be you so hard. And you know, the more I've leaned into who I am, the more it's, been right you know and it's I know that I'm on the right path and I know I'm becoming still who I'm who I am and a better version every day trying to be but I just want my goal with coaching young girls is just be you so hard because you're all so amazing and they just can't see it right now they can't see the bird's eye view of it and how great each of them are and how much potential they each have um so I always say that and then when it comes to running and any athlete, if whether it's an adult or the young kiddos, it's just make it fun. You have to make it fun because it can be a monotonous thing. It can be painful. It can, especially when you're getting into running, it's not a fun sport to get into right. because it's painful and it sucks and it's, you have to stay consistent in these things, but I'm like, man, make it fun. You know, find your pennies, whatever that means to you. Find your pennies. Yeah. Tell us really quickly. What is your, I love that you have this idiosyncratic thing that you do with pennies. Yeah, it's also really a gross habit. <laughs> it's, uh, so, you don't lick the penny. <laughs> no, but it's, ooh, there's days that I'm like, I need to wash my hands. Um, so on all my runs, I find change. So I pick up I mostly find pennies, but I mean, I find all kinds of change. Do you pay your trainers in pennies? <laughs> I wish I could. That would be so good. They probably accept it. They know me. Um, yeah, I find I have this weird ability to find change while I'm running. So I like pick up pennies and, and it's in really gross places also. I Like if there's not really a penny, I won't pick up. Um, but they're my little, uh, it's really gross. It's so gross. They're my little, I call them my pennies from heaven. Like they're my signs that I'm on the right path. Do you keep them in a jar or like where do you get them? Um, a, you know, those coin collector books. Yeah. So I have a, my dad got, so my dad got me one of those for Christmas this past year. And I was like, okay, I'll put one penny in from each run that I find it on. So this, it has to specifically be from a run. I can't, it's not okay. just like my gas station change and I find, cause I was yeah. doing that. <laughs> but I have <laughs> that's my, another book. that's another <laughs> book. Yes. That's a separate jar. Um, but this running change book, I put one penny from however much I find that day. I write the date, I write how much I found. And then I write something about the run or what I'm thinking or what I, or what my training was or whatever about it. So if I find 10 pennies, for example, I'll pick one of them, put it in there. And then I write like 10, 21, 18, 10 cents. Um, and then I put like gritty or like stay gritty or power through or things like that. So I filled that book in April. What if you don't find a penny? Then I just, then I just, then there's, there's plenty of dates that it's cause I don't find change every single run. So it'll be like, you know, I'll find one on a Monday and then I don't find one again until Friday. Yeah. So, but it's specifically, nope. Okay. It's specifically my running change. And, um, there's days that I find just a dime or just a quarter. And so I glue that in there cause it's part of it. And then there was one day this past January, I was running at Nike's campus. I have a friend that works up there and I found 16 cents that day. And Shalane was happened to be doing her run on this Nike campus course. So of course I'm freaking out. Yeah. And, uh, so I had like kept a penny that was like, day I saw Shalane. Like that was really cool. So it's really cool to look back on the year and see all these days. Oh, that's awesome. Hot runs in June. There's, um, there was one that I found at the starting line of a half marathon in June and I didn't include, I'm in like buns and a top. (laughs) So I put that one in my hat and put my hat on. So it was a good thing I'm a hat wearer. Yeah. It's like a place to put my chain. You're like, Oh, you need a tissue here. You hold it. Yeah. I hold it. Yeah. And then in New York. So in LA and in New York, empty streets, busy cities, there's change everywhere. But I can't pick it up in my race. You know? Right. Does that kill you? Yeah, it is. And then <laughs> here's the other worst part is all this change is baked into the asphalt. So you can't dig it out. <laughs> you need a little like 
Yeah. So, but I had, I had a penny. So I had my Colorado flag on my shirt in New York. And then I had a penny glued into the sea because it was like a perfect circle. So I had that penny with me. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love quirky things like that. That's very quirky. So when you say make it fun, I love that you have built your own culture around the things that you do. And I think that's really important. Thanks. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just fortunate, like fortunate and thankful every single day because this is bananas. I wake up every day and I'm like, is this my life right now? This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so fun. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I know everybody's going to want to learn more about Brittany and her running and her show. Do you have a show scheduled right now? I don't yet. Okay. So on Stay this tuned. time, I will. So go to funnyrunner.com. Um, so you'll go to brittnycharbonneau.com. Okay. And then you can also follow me on Instagram at funnyrunner26.2. And that's where I'll post everything too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much thank for listening so much to for another episode me. of Women in a Day. And you can find us at womeninadaypodcast.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Yes. And thank you to Tony Tarbox and Hillary Blair for helping us with our show.